0: Hey there, this is Brian Zond, and welcome to my sermon podcast. I'm glad that you're interested in the sermons that I preach here at Word of Life Church in St. Joseph, Missouri. And if you ever feel inclined to help us by supporting us financially, you can do that at our website, wolc.com. Thank you. My name is Sarah Zahn, and I am so excited to get to speak this morning. Um, you may know me as the welcome and announcement host type person, or you may not, and that's fine too. But uh, I wanted to give you just a little bit of my background, kind of my qualifications here this morning. So you're not like, where did they find her? What does she do? Well, uh, my last name is Zon, So I am married to Erin, who's back there in the sound booth. He's the one with glasses, kind of looks a little like his dad, but it's cool. Um, So I'm Brian and Perry's daughter-in-law, and they are gone, and I volunteered to speak, so here we are, folks. (laughs) But I started coming to Word of Life back in 96, right after they had moved into this building, and it was home for me, like, I immediately connected with other kiddos. I was in Super Kids Church, which uh, used to be in the Life Center, and it was so cool. And uh, I, we actually started coming in October of 96, and so they were getting ready. They didn't have trunk or treat back then. They had hallelujah parties, and they were getting, yes, yes, yeah, woo, Emily's with me. She's tracking. So I was pumped. I was like, my parents don't let me trick-or-treat or anything. We are we are going to church here because I'm getting me some candy at that hallelujah party. Right? Yes. Okay. So I've been around for a while. I grew up in the youth group. Uh, in 2003, I started working in the porch. They are called baristas, but I considered myself a glorified soda jerk. And that's where my journey as a Word of Life employee began. Eventually, I ended up in student ministries and had the dream job of dream jobs. I got to plan all the fun events and cool stuff for teenagers, and it was wonderful. Uh, yeah, so I'm married to Aaron. We got married in 2008. Don't make me do math. I don't know how long that is, but we have three wonderful children. I am totally not biased, but they are perfect. Uh, Mercy is eight. Hope is four and Pax is one. So say a little prayer because Sunday mornings are kind of like a raging dumpster fire to get to church. <laughs> but here I am. Um in 2011 when I had Mercy I had a new dream and that's when I became a stay-at-home parent full time and from that started my own business but I've always stayed involved here at church and I do have a theology degree from Oral Roberts University so I'll be okay. <laughs> right, there you go. But basically what happened is I sort of had this gnawing feeling probably for a couple of years Kind of a question of when my kids, if they look back on their recent history, where do they find mom? Where do they find where mom thought about things or stood on issues or ideas? And I wanted that answer to be that they found me in the church and they found me with Jesus. So I volunteered to do this, and here we are. But we are going to jump right in to our next sermon in this series, but let's pray first. Lord, we do acknowledge your presence in this place this morning. We thank you that you have come to meet with us. And Lord, I I pray the things that I have prepared to say, even if they are thoughtful and clever, that they wouldn't just be words that I speak, but they would be words from you. And that our hearts would be open to receive them this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is the third week of our series, Made Fearfully and Wonderfully, and we are answering the question, who are we? Specifically today, we're going to be looking at who we are as people of peace, so that we can say, I am peaceful. So back when I was a new mom, had a brand new baby, brand new mom, its kind of how the situation works. and I would find myself up in the middle of the night with this wonderful, sweet, perfect little baby because, spoiler alert, newborns don't sleep. The sequel to that is Sometimes Toddlers Don't Sleep. So (laughs) I had a lot of time to be up in the middle of the night with this sweet baby. Coincidentally, or maybe unfortunately, when I would find myself up in the middle of the night with that baby, I would also find myself up in the middle of the night with my anxiety and my worry. And I would find myself worrying about all sorts of things, sometimes things I didn't even know that I needed to worry about, but now I was worried that I hadn't been worried about those things before. You know how it goes, right? Right. And she was one of those babies that you couldn't have the light on. You couldn't be on your phone. So here I am in the dark in in her room in a rocking chair. And I got no options, nothing to be distracted with, right? So my last resort, because I'm really not that spiritual, is to pray. I got no other options. I'll try prayer. Let's see how that works. And I would pray. And since I had many years of practice... (laughs) There were some times where, yes, I felt like Jesus really spoke to me. But most of the time, it was just an awareness that He was present with me and I felt peace. I think that's part of the mystery and wonder of being a human being right? We have a heart and a soul. We're not just beings with logic, because I could sit down with somebody and I could tell them my fears and my troubles, and they could be like, oh, Sarah, that's not realistic. But in my head and my heart, it seemed very real. And at the same time, I was holding this wonderful, perfect little baby and experiencing some of the greatest joy of my life. But I also felt real fear and real worry and deep anxiety, So being made in the image of God is that we do have a heart and soul that can feel both things, sometimes at the same time. And you know those feelings of worry. Maybe they keep you up at night. Maybe they keep you from falling asleep. Or maybe they distract you during the day so that you can't really focus on where you're at or what you're doing or be present with the people around you. You know those things that they quicken your pulse make you tense your shoulders. They shorten your breath. I don't have to tell you that the social media and the 24-hour news cycle of our day add to that. There's research and reports and studies out all the time telling us how detrimental those things are for our soul. I was telling Derek before, I'm like, I can't get on Twitter. I, if, you, if you are on Twitter, I'm praying for you, sister, okay? <laughs> Brian tweet, Pastor Brian tweeted something nice about me this morning. I was like, I will have to read it later. If I get on Twitter right now, I will lose all of my sanctity, okay? So Twitter, because I don't get on there very much. The app on my phone, I don't delete it. I don't know why. It's this love-hate relationship. But it sends me a notification. It says, Sarah... We've missed you. Here are some highlights we feel like might be important to you. Now, I know that there are smart and good people on Twitter. I cannot find them when I get on Twitter, but I hear that they are on there, right? So it's like, okay, well, maybe I should see what's going on on Twitter. You know, it's fine. There's good people on there. I get on there and not even like three seconds and I'm like, whoa, shut it down, guys. We're out of here. Because the anxiety inside me just like begins to boil up and bubble over, right? And maybe a teeny bit of anger and rage, you know, because I can't find the smart people. But there's also our 24-hour news cycle. I mean, it's just constant. You get notifications on your phone about that, too telling you all the things that are going on in the world. Looking to the news is not some place you find a lot of hope, right? But you already feel those things. You already know those things. And that it is amazing we can have so much information in the palm of our hand or at the push of a button, and yet it can be so harmful for us. And it can be such suffering to try to carry all of that worry and burden with us. So some people uh, process that experience differently. Some people keep it inside and internalize it and suppress it, and everything on the outside is glitter and rainbows and sunshine. I will give you a multiple-choice quiz of which one you think I am, and I've only given you one answer so everybody gets an A right here. (laughs) I'm the glitters and rainbow and sunshine. Everything's fine on the outside. When on the inside, it says my mother would say, it's just a bunch of chickens running around with their heads cut off. You don't know. What's going on? Some of you, it may come out differently. You may have, like, some outwardly manifestation. It may be that you are talking about how anxious and worried or how angry you are all the time. However we process it, we know it's not peace. We know it's not rest. So what do we do? Because if we're made in his image... There's part of us that believes we're not meant to live this way. We look to the Word of God as Jesus, the person, incarnate Word of God and Scripture. Probably one of the most famous pieces of Scripture about not worrying next to the do not worry for the flowers they are cared for, for the birds of the air are cared for, is probably Mary at the feet of Jesus Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. I feel bad for Martha. Martha never comes off well in this story. Nobody leaves reading this story and thinking, I want to be like Martha, you know? But... I identify with Martha. If I was in that story, it would be Sarah, Sarah. I'm like, "I know, I know, it's me." I feel like Martha would be a good American. You know what I mean? Like she's a real go-getter, real type A, checking those things off of her list and getting stuff done. And most of us find us find ourselves in that situation like Martha. We're distracted and we're anxious and we're troubled and then we're mad pointing at people because we think they should be doing something else. But then we have Mary. We all want to be Mary. Mary had the awareness enough to realize she was in the presence of Jesus and she sat at his feet. Mary was probably aware of everything that had to be done but suddenly her own agenda, the things that she was distracted by, took second place. She sat at the feet of Jesus and listened to him and took in those drops of living water that were good for her soul. She chose the good portion. If we're created in his image and we look to Jesus and look to the Father... To see what that means. What we see is a God who is not angry. Who is not agitated. Who is not anxious. He's not distracted. We see God who is love. Not just that he loves us. But he himself is love. And that from him comes Jesus. The prince of peace. And then Jesus leaves us the Holy Spirit, which is our comfort. It's the nature of the Trinity. Flowing from love, there is peace and comfort. And when we think about being children of God, what are we told? Matthew 5, 9 says that the peacemakers are the children of God. And that peace in the world begins with peace in us. Not faux peace, not not fake peace, not pleather peace (laughs) that just masks over everything and makes it look good, but real, authentic, genuine peace that has formed and shaped us because we have been in the presence of Jesus Christ, who is our peace. One of my favorite things is when I think about The chaos or crisis or suffering of my own situation is that Jesus is with me. In scripture, we don't see Jesus stand afar off and say, I'll wait for you to get your life together right now because it's a hot mess, and then when you got it together, I'll come back over. That's not Jesus. Jesus is in the midst of it with us. We see Jesus in the raging storm. Jesus is not just calm, Jesus is taking a nap. I would be multiple levels of angry if I was in a boat with Jesus and he was taking a nap. It's one thing to be over there and be like, it's okay, I'll calm the storm in a minute. No, he was so peaceful, it lulled him to sleep, okay? Secondly, Jesus in his arrest, Peter's over here chopping people's ears off left and right. No pun. Uh, It was only one ear. I don't know if it was left or right, but Jesus was like, you know, sticking him back on. He was like, Peter, chill, bro. And then you have Jesus at his crucifixion. Not only is he peaceful, but on top of that, he has an attitude and spirit of forgiveness to those who are persecuting him. So in the midst of our chaos, Jesus is present with us. Not afar off. He joins us, but he doesn't get caught up. In our anxiety and worry. Instead, he invites us into his presence, which is peace and calm. The Lord is able to hold the universe in his hands at the same time that he holds your heart. It means he's able to care about the big stuff, and he's able to care about the stuff that worries you. And as he does that, he wants to reveal his presence to us. And he wants to take us, our face in his hands, and say, do not be afraid. You are created fearfully and wonderfully for peace. To know peace as an experience and way of life, but also to know peace as the capital letter P, Jesus himself. So how do we do that? My answer is not a super popular one. It's not super glamorous. But it's what I know to be true. And that is prayer. Prayer is the place that makes space for peace. Prayer is what allows us to take a step back, to take a breath, To do what Psalm 25-1 says and lift our soul to the Lord and entrust it to his care. It allows us to be like Mary, to put our agenda, our anger, our anxiety to the side in second place and say, I acknowledge your presence here. I want to be in your peace, Jesus. We know that prayer is for our formation It's not for manipulating God to get him to do what we think he should do. And I know that most people feel guilt when it comes to prayer. Guilt to pray, guilt from not praying, guilt from feeling like prayer is a chore. Any guilt that is suppressing us or keeping us from God is not of God. And I know that might be hard to let go of but I encourage you to try to do so. We are made for communion, conversation, relationship with God. And prayer inclines our soul to do that. This is a really popular time of year for sunflowers, and I can't think about sunflower, sunflowers without thinking about what that means for us, you know. They follow the sun around. And as people created in the image of God, that's what we're created to do. Follow the sun. And prayer will incline our soul to do that. So as we get ready to close today, I want to give you something to hold on to. Because I've said a lot of nice things (laughs) and things that resonate within you, but if I don't, give you something to do with that information or awareness you might just keep experiencing the same thing over and over again and that would be unfair so we are going to do what psalm 55:22 says cast your burden on the lord and he shall sustain you so in just a moment i will ask you to join me in praying It's not very fancy, it's not very glamorous, it's very ordinary, and it's something I do often when I feel like the world is too much. It's something I learned about maybe 15, 16, 17, a long time ago for me, (laughs) years ago. Um, Richard Foster teaches it in his book, Celebration of Discipline, but he didn't create it. It's been around for a long time. It's just an ancient practice of prayer. And it's called Palms Down, Palms Up, and that is literally what it is. But the Palms Down part represents us letting go. These are the things we were not meant to carry. Those things that keep you up at night or distract you during the day. The things that make you anxious and troubled. Those are the things we let go of. It's like taking a cup and dumping all of that out. And then we turn our hands up, and this is the part where we fill our cup with the peace of Jesus Christ. We fill our cup with that overwhelming, unconditional love of God. And suddenly a place inside of us that was consumed with a lot of worry and trouble is now full of love and peace. And that peace can start in us and then make for peace in our world. Amen. Go ahead and stand with me if you will. And I encourage you to participate as you're comfortable. There's no judgment. We're all going to have our eyes closed. It's fine. But I know that the Lord is here this morning. And I know that he doesn't stand far off as he sees you in the midst of a crisis. But that he is there with you. And he invites you into his presence for peace and comfort. Let's go ahead and close our eyes. Put your palms down. I like to take a big, deep breath. Jesus, we acknowledge that you are in this place this morning. We thank you that you are not afraid and not offended, that we can't get our lives together. Lord, we have real fears and real worries. We know that we were not meant to carry them. This burden is too heavy. So we let those things go. We can turn our hands over. Lord, we thank you for your unconditional love. We thank you for joining us in this moment. I ask that you would pour out living water into our hands that would fill our souls. Would lighten that burden. That we would be people of peace who can know peace as an experience and way of life, but also know peace as you, Lord. I thank you that you are faithful to meet us, that your goodness and your kindness and your love towards us abounds. you, Lord. Amen. Now we're going to come to the Lord's table. We're going to share in communion. First, we're going to say a confession together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed.